0: Yeah, I think we just need to have um, kind of more data sharing between organizations maybe. Uh, I think a lot of, uh, maybe because it's still a relatively new industry, a lot of players are kind of acting in silos. So we need to kind of have someone aggregate what everyone is doing um, so that it can take our work from a local level to a global level to make it a little bit more visible to people that may be interested from the outside.
1: So what is systems data, and why should investors care about it? Hi, I'm Jason Eaves, the CEO and founder of Discovered Markets. At Discovered Markets, we make market intelligence solutions for systems change. We believe in the importance of market systems data for businesses and investors to be successful, particularly when incorporating environmental and social impact elements as part of that effort. And we aren't the only ones. In 2019, the Open Society Foundations commissioned a report called Systems Change, an Emerging Practice in Impact Investing. They pose the question, are investors with positive social and environmental impact goals fundamentally improving the very system that produced the problems in the first place or merely treating symptoms? They make the case that taking a whole system view helps to better understand the underlying causes to problems and to identify high leverage solutions to advance positive systems change. To understand where systems data is being used in investment, we discussed the topics with the Daysua Kumbu Roads from Arua Capital, a Gender Lens Fund in Lagos, Nigeria, and Pratap Raju from Climate Collective in Goa India, which focuses on the investment ecosystem for cleantech. I'll let them introduce themselves.
2: I'm Pratap uh, Raju. I founded Climate Collective, a nonprofit here based in India that supports the climate tech startup ecosystem here in India, South Asia, and the region. I'm also the country director for New Energy Nexus India as well, a international nonprofit that was set up in 2004 to support the clean energy startup ecosystem in California, now globally in, in Asia and Africa as well.
0: I'm Adesua Kumbo Roads. I'm the Founder and CEO of Arua Capital Management. Um, I've been in the industry now for the last uh, 14 years, Uh, started my career in Investment Banking um, and transitioned to private equity um, first in London and then back home in Nigeria six years ago. Um, Arua is one of the few women-owned and women-led private equity funds in Africa. Uh, That's investing with a gender lens, Uh, so investing in businesses that are rapidly growing in essential sectors such as healthcare, fintech, uh, renewable energy and essential consumer goods. But before we get into the discussion and why investors should care about systems
1: data, I want to answer the first question. What is systems data? So a systems view of an ecosystem comprises the multiple entities businesses work with, such as investors, entrepreneurial support organizations, business support providers, business associations, government offices, educational institutions, suppliers, buyers, and competitors. Systems data on these different players can reveal the connections and competition between them to help businesses and their supporters understand potential risks and opportunities. This data highlights where closely networked businesses have been able to grow faster, shows gaps in the market, and points out which businesses are linked to higher performing technical assistance. This data can be used by policymakers, support organizations, and business associations to focus their development efforts. Most importantly, a systems view of the market can highlight new investment opportunities up and down the investment cycle Yield more and better returns, and decrease inequity in investing decisions, all of which are needed to accelerate investment in emerging markets. In my discussion, we first looked at how systems data can highlight new investment opportunities up and down the investment cycle.
2: I've been in India for about twenty years, and and uh, when the startup boom um, in India started, but let's say two thousand five seven. It was everything was new. I mean, the idea of investing in a startup was quite new. It took a while uh, for, for local funds, early stage funds to be, to be formed, etc. Today, it's, it's actually quite different. Uh, today, we have uh, about almost two decades of, of experienced um, um, investors as well as other support organizations supporting startups generally. So, in fact, um, about three years ago, when when the startup climate sort of ecosystem was still kind of nascent, I had very large I, um, angel networks as well as early stage funds asking me about the climate tech startup space. And that was quite unusual because um, we expected a much bigger gap before uh, uh, private capital would come in and look at scaling up solutions coming out of the incubators and acceler- accelerators like us. So I think in a, in a strange way, we're benefiting from um, almost two decades of startup ecosystem support. And in fact, in our Angel Network, Climate Angels Network, we have a mix of local, regional and global sources of capital that are interested in crossing borders, even in a pre-series A stage that that in in climate tech, we say is something like half a million dollars to two to three million dollars, even these small amounts these rounds. We see even global sources of capital and climate tech uh, looking at deal flow here in India. So it's a strange um, environment where, where we have people coming in quite early, um, but we don't have at the same time a, an experienced set of investors in clean tech. So uh, in areas beyond in particular, let's say EV, and some areas of climate sto- smart agriculture, We've at the same time have a dearth of local investors with enough experience. So I think I think the ecosystem is quite important is to bring in all these different types of stakeholders who come in at different stages, both from the very from the ideation stage all the way up to the deployment and the growth stage.
0: Uh, some companies um, have already have um, you know um, gender diversity in their in their board, you know gender diversity in their management team in their workforce, and their supply chain. Um, uh, and, you know, they're typically working from a base where we can improve that. Um, uh, and then there, there are some companies that, you know, already have, um, you know, things that we're looking for that will enhance profitability of these businesses. Uh, but not only that, that will also, you know, um, have multiplier effects in local communities just because of the role um that women play where women are typically reinvesting 90% of their income into healthcare and to education for their children and for their families so so we're a big believer that enhanced gender diversity within our portfolio companies has a kind of triple bottom line effect of enhanced profitability which is enhanced return for the fund um it's alleviated poverty in the you know communities access to basic you know goods and services for families Uh, and then obviously there's enhanced gender equality as well just generally Um, so so yeah so i think for us it's 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 sometimes a mixed bag but we always uh, are enacting our gender action plans across every investment
1: the majority of the over 700 billion in global social impact investment goes to climate where less than one percent goes to closing the gender gap in discussing with the DeSua and Pratap, you can see how larger investment climates need to leverage the ecosystem. This was also evident in how the availability to systems data yields better returns.
2: So I think we still need a lot of maturing of the, uh, in, in diversity and, and um, different sources of capital that comes into much of clean tech. Um, While the uh, easier to invest, quote unquote, easier to invest areas like EVs, will attract more capital over next uh, in the short term as well. And this really is based on on the fact that the business case is quite strong for, for example, um, uh, uh, electric vehicles and and uh, areas in agriculture. For example, if you retrofitted a, a existing rickshaw or tuk-tuk, you know, um, those three wheeled uh, taxis that are very common here in India and South Asia, the payback can be as little as three years, especially if you're talking about large cities where the travel is not too long and, and utilization rates are high. That's pretty amazing um, and, and, and something that um, um, is very attractive to a lot of investors as well as to the, the uh, rickshaw wallahs themselves. So I think in certain use cases like that, we, we'll continue to see a lot of capital coming in. But what the Climate Collective is aiming to do is try to also uh, find capital for the harder to fund areas. It's not just on a technology side. We've been working, for example, with women entrepreneurs in climate for the last four years as well. We have a program called Women in Climate Entrepreneurship and very similar to um, other startup ecosystems around the world, there there are significant barriers for women entrepreneurs to get capital as well. So these are areas where I think not just um, domains, but be becoming a much more inclusive startup ecosystem is, is possible if we, if we take this concentrated effort to, to um, increase awareness and bring in the right capital to support a broader set of entrepreneurs.
0: You know, we're a very big believer in showcasing success stories. Um, so I think if you can highlight, you know, successful case studies of gender lens investing within your portfolio. You know, how has that, you know, successfully enhanced profitability? How has it successfully improved returns for the fund? How has it successfully contributed to positive socioeconomic development through job creation, through poverty alleviation, and also improved women's economic empowerment through gender-based outcomes? Uh, If you can successfully showcase that through case studies, uh, I think that's a, that's a very tangible way in which you can you know attract more global investors you know attract more fund managers to adopt gender lens investing as their uh, as their investment strategy um, but but I think we're yet to see that level of communication we're, le- we're yet to see that level of data uh, and maybe that's because you know we're you know it's still a relatively new you know new and up and coming industry Ah, uh, but I think for us at Arua, you know we we are one of the you know pioneers of of gender lens investing in this in this kind of what we call early stage growth equity space. so we 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 definitely feel a very huge burden to showcase the successes in our portfolio. Um, so i think I think there's a lot of positive things that are happening in the industry to attract capital to female fund managers, attract capital to fund managers that are deploying a gender lens, um, and just make sure that there is, um, you know, uh, best practices that are being deployed by by these new managers. Um, so I think the work that the 2x challenge is doing is, is quite inspiring. Uh, and then the work that, you know, some of these newly launched funder funds that have specifically been launched to address the issue of, you know, the fact that we don't have enough female fund managers and we don't have enough gender lens funds in Africa. Um, I think that's, that's definitely a, a great step in the, in the right direction. In
1: 2017, the Global Accelerator Learning Initiative published the results of a study on the lack of investment in emerging markets. It showed that while small business founders in these markets were equally or more educated and experienced as those in developed markets, investors used practices to identify and evaluate investable businesses, which artificially reduced the amount of viable investments. For example, they allowed cultural biases, like a preference for expat founders, to affect their decisions. Investors also tend to take an equity-only approach, which is mismatched with the needs of emerging market ventures and the availability of exit opportunities. In addition, a similarly timed World Bank study showed that emerging market investors are regionally biased, gravitate towards market familiarity and similarity, and feel constrained by political factors. These biases that limit investors and support organizations are often reinforced by a lack of market visibility. Using systems data to boost the visibility of the relationships that small and growing businesses have in the entrepreneurial ecosystem in which they operate can begin to break past these biases. Lastly, we discussed how systems data is today making investments more inclusive and what else can be done to improve the access to this data to accelerate inclusive investments in emerging markets.
2: India is um, not really a country. It almost sometimes feels like a continent. It is of course large in terms of economy and number of people um, there's another aspect here in our startup ecosystem we don't have strong central um, um, platforms you know, government funded or government supported platforms that help bring in this fragmented ecosystem at least not yet there are efforts by the government central government to to build um, startup ecosystem or platforms for example monthen by uh, uh, PSA, Principal Scientific Advisor, to help connect this uh, all the people that want to, to support the startup ecosystem. Um, I have, I'm always approached by, um, for example, CSR looking to give grants, having trouble finding um, startups. I even have uh, many investors asking the same thing. Where are these startups? Corporates um, have a different problem. Oftentimes, the top corporates when they do have a call, they do get flooded with many applications. But many others, for example, those companies in supply chains, so the SMEs have large uh, difficulty finding solutions, for example, to green the, the supply chains of, of um, uh, corporate India as well. So we do have uh, many challenges uh, from fragmentation. You know, uh, connecting platforms will really help here. As we start thinking about the, the the support needed to to strengthen the startup ecosystem, getting even more data on survival rates, getting more data on, on where the funding and where the support's going so that we have more inclusivity. I think it's it's something that we could that could really help support the climate startup, startup ecosystem here in India and, and generally in the global south as well for sure. When uh, one of the things I've seen, at least in India now, this is uh, almost 20 years of the startup boom here. There is a tremendous interest in angel investors and that to retail angel, retail investors as well into startups. So we're so used to this idea that someone has to put in $25,000, $50,000 or $200,000 into a startup as an angel. We've seen an explosion of interest, for example, from those giving $1,000, $2,000, $5,000 dollars. In fact, one of the bigger retail uh, crowdfunding platforms into startups has, has funded, if I'm not mistaken, something like 130 uh, early-stage um, startups over the last two or three years, something like this. And it's only accelerating, and this is only one platform. So what I'm seeing also is is, is an is a, um, interesting set of uh, um, investors coming in. These are retail um, uh, professionals. Or CXO level investors who are from a certain industry giving small amounts into startups that is even harder because you mentioned of course a VC has a team they have access to resources they have they can do research uh, um, uh, comparative studies in, in other markets to see how business models grow when you're investing earlier as an angel investor or this new category of, of crowdfunding in, in India you have not just a lack of lack of data, but also uh, lack of time. You know, it's not easy to to um, get someone's attention when they're putting in five thousand dollars into a startup. So I think there's a lot of there's a great need to to figure out how to educate or or maybe provide research in easier to understand in ways for a wider set of um, investors. These are angels as well as retail crowdfunding investors. In India and I think that will be very exciting because we're so used to this idea that if you're quite early um, in your startup journey and need to raise a small amount and you rely on friends and family well not everyone has friends and family and that's a huge equity problem especially in a country like India where it's not the lack of talent uh, but oftentimes a concentrated concentration of capital in big cities or on big universities and not necessarily where where the talent and the innovations coming from, in particular in clean tech. So I, I think um, this is early days uh, um, to solve this, but the demand side or or the supply side I should say of capital from from angels and retail crowdfunding into early stage startup startups is increasing fast.
0: It's well, definitely picked up over the last uh, three years. You know we launched Arua in July two thousand and nineteen and. I don't think there were many gender funds or maybe a handful of funds that were deploying capital with a gender lens. Uh, but I think with the uh, increased popularity uh, and the attention that global institutional investors are, are giving gender at the moment, uh, you have a lot of funds that are now starting to think about gender lens investing, whether that's new funds or, you know, large private equity funds that didn't invest with the gender lens, now raising gender lens funds. Uh, so I think that's a great, um, you know, it's a great move in the right direction for the industry, uh, but it's, you know, it's still a relatively new space. Um, so um, so I would say that, yes, there are, you know, new players that are coming into the market, but um, still, still to be seen how, you know, effective uh, their strategies are. I think for us at Arua, you know, we... We are one of the, you know, pioneers of of gender lens investing in this in this kind of what we call early stage growth equity space. So we 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 definitely feel a very huge burden to showcase the successes in our portfolio um, and showcase, you know, how exactly improving gender in the board and in the management team and in the value chain and and in the supply chain? How how does this actually enhance profitability? Um, So so that's something that we're excited to showcase with our portfolio. Uh, You know, I mentioned we've done six investments. We'll look to do about 10 to 11 investments in our portfolio. And we hope to have a very, very, um, you know, succinct and comprehensive case study of, of how this fund has achieve both enhanced financial return, but also uh, positive socioeconomic development outcomes and also women economic empowerment outcomes as well. Um, so I think that's still missing in the industry, which is why maybe some first time female fund managers are still struggling to raise capital. Um, because I, I think you know on, on our last count, We think that there's only about 16 private equity funds that are owned and led by women in Africa. Um, You know, Africa has a population of 1.3 billion people (laughs) uh, and women make up 50% of that. Um, So we just need to have um, kind of more data sharing between organisations maybe. Uh, I think a lot of, uh, maybe because it's still a relatively new industry, a lot of players are kind of acting in silos. So we need to kind of have someone aggregate what everyone is doing um so that it can take our work from a local level to a global level to make it a little bit more visible to people that may be interested from the outside. Um, so so yeah I think I think you know we have a lot of little you know small players that are acting in silos. You know, a lot of gender lens funds are first time funds that are typically less than $50 million. Um, so if we want to really get the attention of you know, huge endowments and huge foundations. Um, I think that we need to kind of come together and aggregate it and kind of make it more sizable in terms of the numbers that we're talking about maybe. Um, so yeah, I think, I think maybe, you know, aggregating data could be, could be something that could be done um, and kind of, you know, aggregating it either at a regional level or, you know, maybe starting with a regional level um, and then seeing how um, how the gaps, if there are any gaps that need to be filled when we do that, but I think that would really help to showcase the opportunity to global investors.
1: But who can help to increase the access to this data?
2: I think we could use a multiplicity of solutions. Uh, there are there is this role, for example, for government platforms. Um, there are government grants, there are uh, potential Deployment programs or work orders from the government, where, where registration with government platforms is is necessary and a requirement for sure. But given this the the size of India, I think, and the and the speed in which the climate tech startup ecosystem is moving uh, here in India as well as the region, I think private players can can play uh, a significant role as well to supplement uh, what the government is building as well. You may see this. Um, uh, especially in areas of of um, uh, bringing crowding and in private investment, This government does a great job, in particular on on where helping get grants into startups. But private investors in a country like India, and I always forget these numbers, but there, you you know, you may have seen this. India as a startup ecosystem with sixty or seventy or eighty thousand startups, and and thousands of of investors and, and hundreds of VC funds. It is hard to manage even in, in platforms. So when someone takes, for example, a theme, let's say climate tech or even something like climate smart agriculture, I think the results on the ground by having this focus and, and building multiple platforms will lead to uh, much better results. So I think it's not not necessarily a specific solution from the government, but a multiplicity of solutions that could help. Uh, both on the government and the private sector. Well, I'll give you one example is uh, when you look at trying to measure uh, impact uh, in climate and technology, there are a lot of tools out there, you know, um, uh, to measure impact, especially for projects um, uh, from climate. But when you look at the the um, uh, startup ecosystem, it's it becomes much more tricky. What do I mean is that, for example, an early stage startup, Uh, And that could be something that even gets funded pre-Series A or even Series A, may also have limited data. Uh, Maybe their supply chains are still being built or they're moving manufacturing from from something local or or outsourced to their own facility. It's very early stages to do a full impact analysis. And we've done this. uh, We recently in August launched this report in partnership with Andy Aspen Network called the Climate Metrics Guide. And in that research, what we've seen is, for example, impact investors in India as well as Africa and across the global south can't easily utilize tools like this. This this uh, The existing tools to help measure impact, I should say. So uh, And this will cause problems for other, in particular, government platforms because government platforms don't have the ability to be as flexible for many reasons as, as private platforms, uh, flexible to allow this uncertainty that actually exists in in um, in, for example, impact measurement at, at early stages of the startup journey. So I think I think uh, with those restrictions or limitations of of government platforms, there are there there there's a need, for example, to help uh, impact investors uh, measure their impact as well as direct more capital into cleantech startup ecosystems, focusing on this this impact data that um, is um, harder to get, uh, has its own restrictions. Um, and it's an area of uh, where we are working as well as Climate Collective. In fact, we're about to launch a certificate using our methodology. Um, our methodology, by the way, is a positive impact. Our hand printing methodology tied to, tied with business forecast forecasting, and and leveraging simplified worksheets uh, and regional data sets. Something that is is both doable on the ground with startups as well as uh, easier to understand uh, by impact investors uh, at this stage of the startup investment. So these are these are things I think um, uh, the the private sector, whether nonprofits or for profits, can play big roles. Yeah,
0: I think I think there are different levels to it. I think for an investor, this is this is one thing that I think would be helpful. Uh, but I think you know other players in the ecosystem have different roles to play. Um, uh, you know. Uh, government agencies have a different role to play than us. Um, uh, you know, uh, entrepreneurial support organisations have a different role to play. Business support providers have a different role to play. Um, so, so I think everyone has their role to play in the system to ensure that you know, we achieve this outcome of you know, the triple bottom line effect I'm talking about. So there's also work that needs to be done before we even see these deals Uh, There's work to be done when we're in the companies before we exit, whether that's through technical assistance or, you know, enhancing, um, uh, uh, you know, the kind of operational efficiency of these businesses. Um, so, So I think that, you know, everyone has their role to play. And for us, obviously, timing is something because, you know, to prove these things, you have to be in the businesses for a while. But there's also stuff to be kind of shown in terms of, you know, pipeline of female-led businesses and pipeline of businesses that are uh, providing essential goods and services to women. Um, so to make sure that, you know, there is actually an addressable pipeline for fund managers to deploy a gender lens strategy. Um, so I think different organisations have different roles to play, for sure. We've seen how data solutions and other, other markets have worked. Uh, so whether these are, you know, government-sponsored deal rooms or... You know angel list style platforms you know that that can show you know just give people a little bit of comfort that these are kind of standardized processes, and you know this isn't the first time that you know the, the um, you know that money's being raised in this way so uh, so I think standardizing information um, and making it accessible to angel investors or you know other investors that may be interested in in investing. Uh, could be one way. Um, I think that data in in emerging markets still remains very opaque. Um, So if we're able to standardize it and, you know, make it accessible through technology, um, that could be one way. The
1: return on effort in identifying these systems and acquiring this data is substantial and involves reduced bias and more opportunities, greater speed to market, and reduced costs. In light of these benefits to both small and growing businesses and their funders, more investors and businesses should seek a systems view in their initial market research. Additionally, the data from these systems mappings should be publicly available to improve how other stakeholders interact with the market. Then systems data can begin to play a key role in closing the investment gap facing small and growing businesses in emerging markets.
2: I believe that there is a great need um, to involve more and more entrepreneurs in the global south, because when we need to think about solutions, it's not just the the development of the product, but the adoption. And oftentimes, local entrepreneurs here have significant assets to and, and things to offer uh, um, in in taking these solutions or these products or even developing their own innovation here on the ground and and spreading this these um, these solutions to markets, uh, both corporates and consumers here. So this is sort of a kind of a complementary kind of um, view that that I think the Global South can play a big role in, in in all the things that we need to do, both for climate change, as well as building a more sustainable planet. And uh, I look forward to, uh, to, to working with uh, people like you at Discovered Markets and others who want to support us in the Global South. If we can reduce these paths to sustainability, to adopt innovation, whether through reducing costs making it easier to, to um, uh, scale up or get financing in it, or reach to markets where new distribution needs to be set up. I think the, the um, market itself is going to react positively to it.
1: I want to say thank you to Desua and Vertop for, for their time to speak with us. Thank you to SOCAP for the platform to discuss this topic. And many thanks to the team at Discovered Markets for helping to put this podcast together and their dedication to accelerating the impact of mission-driven organizations worldwide.